Thank you, Kurt. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you're going to hear me talking about small groups a lot in the, the next couple of weeks because um, I just believe it's the primary tool. It's the best tool to develop community. Um, and here's why. Our, our world has changed. It has changed. And the things that we used to know uh, really just don't seem relevant anymore. The way we do business with one another has changed. The way we communicate with one another has changed. For many of us, we didn't know what Zoom was, and now we are way too intimate with the software. We spend way too much time on Zoom communicating with certain people. You, some of you, you have older parents, and you used to go to where they are staying and visit them, and now you have to look through a piece of glass to go and see those people. The only way to interact is through the phone. How we communicate with one another has changed. How we do business has changed. And then on top of this, we have certain rules that we're supposed to do. Uh, some of this is legal, and then some of this is just society rules. But uh, in certain businesses, you have to wear a mask to go, do, to go do business with them, to shop there. And then in other businesses, by law, you're supposed to wear one, but no one enforces it. So do, do you wear it? Do you not? And certain people are going to look at you a certain way, and other people are going to look at you another way and it gets very confusing and then you have friends who their immune system is somewhat compromised and so uh, they wear a mask but they tell you no don't worry about it you don't need to wear a mask but you kind of feel guilty not wearing a mask so you do one but your friend your next friend they don't wear a mask and you kind of feel like they should but they don't and it it just gets it gets really awkward and the communication breaks down and so we just thought okay the world has changed how we communicate has changed how you and i interact with one another how we deal with with people has changed so before the fall hits before everything gets crazy and life gets going 100 miles an hour it like it hasn't already um let's push pause and for three weeks let's do a mini series and we're going to call it how to people because we need to remind ourselves once again that we need to learn how to people because everything has changed now Throughout this series, you're going to realize um, God's love for us and how we are to love other people. That message, that mission has not changed. The way we go about it, that's probably changed a little bit. So we're going to take three weeks and we're going to dive in and figure it out. Now, I will tell you this. I have, where I have experienced this the most is at home with my wife. The way we communicate has radically changed. And I, I think largely because of this. Um, we have more time together. And so all the, we're coming up on about 11 years of marriage. 11, yep, not about. We are coming up on 11 years of marriage. And we had all these small little things that because we've been busy, she works full-time, I work full-time, we got two kids, right? We're living life, we're, we're doing our thing. You get busy. And all these little things, well, they just stay down here. They just kind of stay buried. And I think because we have more time, all these little things are starting to bubble up to the surface. And now we have to go and we have to deal with it. See, my wife and I, we, we have fights, um, fights like okay sorry this is linden um we have intense conversations where one of us shares their opinion the other person hears it and defends ourselves, and then we share our opinion for the reconciliation of our relationship to betterment the community and our relationship with christ so the gospel may be known to the world we have fights we know how to push each other's buttons, okay? And you, you do too, right? Like, this isn't new. I'm not sharing anything new. If you're married, we all have fights. And we have disagreements and we have fights and whatever, whatever. We have all these things. And so how we go about doing that is very, very important because you can fight fair or you can fight dirty. And I'm just going to say this since we're all friends. Don't tell my wife. She was at the 9 o'clock. She knows anyways. Uh, because of COVID and just the reality of our world being a little bit different, we are we have we don't fight fair. 
<laughs> we've kind of slid into uh, fighting a little bit dirty because coming up on 11 years, you know how to push buttons. She knows what to say to get a rise out of me, and I know what to do as well. And so we, we do this. And so we're going to look at a passage that's going to help us explain how, how do we negotiate and communicate well in our marriages. Because here, here's what happened, and I believe this has happened to you too. Somewhere along the line, um, when you, before you met your, your, your spouse, maybe you were, uh, you were dating them or you're engaged, but before you got married, you had a conversation with your spouse, your significant other, uh, about your hopes, your dreams, and your desires, like this was a conversation that you had and you say, hey, I, you know, here's the house I'd like to live in. I'd like to live in this part of town. Uh, I'd like to do these things. Here's the lifestyle I'd like to have. I'd like to drive this car and I'd like you to be able to drive whatever car you want to drive. We're going to have this many kids. We're going to have this many dogs. We're going to have this type of dog and definitely not that type of dog. We're going to have all these certain things. We're going to shop at these stores. And we're not going to shop at those stores and we're going to do all this stuff. And so, so usually like the guy will share their hopes, dreams, and expectations. And usually, uh, the wife, she will then share her hopes, dreams, and expectations and uh, desires and everything that you want out of life, right? We're just sharing this. If I could live my dream, it would look this way and you share it. And then you get to the altar, you have your wedding ceremony, right? And you say, honey, and you basically, you run through your vows, but you're essentially saying, I'm going to love you regardless of whatever happens. And what the other person hears is you're going to make me happy by fulfilling all my hopes, dreams, and desires. And then you go over here and you say, for richer or poor, for better or worse, for whatever happens, I'm going to love you always. And what this person is hearing is you're going to love me always. So we're going to help get my hopes, dreams, and desires taken care of. And then you go through life. And then you go through marriage and you're going to have all your kids except for your kids didn't, they don't look the way or act the way that you thought they were going to. And the house you live in now, well, we're saving because we're going to get to that one house. You know, that one house. And we're driving this today so that tomorrow we can drive that. And what your spouse hears is you're going to make me drive this forever so that you can drive that. I want to drive that. And so you start having these things. And somewhere along the line, when you share your hopes, dreams, and desires, you know what else you share? You share how you want to be treated by the other person. You have hopes, dreams, and desires of how they're going to love you, how they're going to treat you. And if conflict ever comes up in the relationship, you have hopes, dreams, and desires of how that conflict is going to be resolved, a little thing called conflict resolution. And all the guys are thinking conflict resolution... Isn't that what sex is for? That joke went slightly better this service. It tanked the second one. I was just curious. Let's hear it for consistency. Like, remember you had nothing in life but love for one another, and so you just start a fight with somebody just so you can make up later? Like, oh, that one bombed too. Okay, we're going to move on. That's not going to make the final cut. We'll edit it out. But you have, (laughs) work with me. (laughs) Ah, ADD. So you have these relationships. And dreams, desires, and all these things. And along the way, the communication breaks down, and you have arguments that break down, and the conflict does not get resolved. And then what happens when the conflict does not get resolved, your hopes, dreams, and desires, those morph. They transition from that into expectations. And when you have expectations that someone is not meeting, well, then you start to keep score. And you know, if you've been married for longer than a minute, once you start keeping score, game over, because there's a winner and there's a loser. And by definition in a relationship, if one person wins and the other person loses, the relationship loses, doesn't it? You may have won the battle, but we 
have lost the war. Because you're happy and you got your way and you got to drive, I don't know, the car that you wanted to drive and I'm still driving this thing for the past 15 years. I'm glad you're happy, but I'm not happy. And when you're happy and I'm not happy, we are not happy. No one saw a global pandemic coming. No one saw that we were going to have all these rules and regulations. And no one saw that our communication with one another would radically change. And so we have to do what we always do. We have to go back to the scriptures. We have to go back to God and say, okay, how, how do we communicate with one another? How, how do we live in such a way that our hopes, dreams, and desires don't turn into expectations which is a burden and a weight that no one can carry. That thing is heavy. That thing is really heavy. And so we're going to look at a passage in Scripture. And if you have a Bible, go to the book of Ephesians. Go to the book of Ephesians. It'll be chapter 5. And if, if you're single and you're like, here we go, a marriage talk. Yes, but, but hang with me. This is very important because this will apply to any relationship that you're in. If you ever want to date anybody... If you ever want to be engaged or married or anything like that, this will definitely apply to your life. So take notes, file this back away. And here's the fascinating thing. The man who wrote this, I find this fascinating. The guy who's giving marriage advice that we're going to read about in Ephesians is single. I think it's phenomenal. And you're like, that's kind of weird. Why should I take marriage advice from a single guy? Um, Because single people are watching. You watched your parents and their marriage. And some of you are like, yes, that. And some of you, no, not that. <laughs> He's got some tremendous insight. See, his name is Paul, and he, he, well, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. In fact, he persecuted Christians. He got after the church, and he killed them. And he was really good at it, better than you and I would ever be. I mean, he, he was phenomenal at it, and you, you can read about it more. But he has this uh, miraculous conversion experience where Christ appears to him. And, and he takes the foundational teaching, the most important teaching, the primary teaching that Jesus has. And he says, basically, it, it all boils down to this. I want you to love people the way that I have loved people. So you and I are to love people the way that God loves people. This is the teaching that Jesus has given to the church. He's given it to his disciples and he gives it to Paul. And Paul takes this and he runs with it. And he starts applying this to every single relationship that you can have, romantic or not. And he will go, and in all of his letters, he will say, I want you to do this because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus has loved you, here's how you are to act and treat other people. And it's fascinating to me because you've got a single guy who understands the grace and the love of God. And he says, marriage people, married people, listen, listen, listen. Treat each other this way. Because when you do, hopes, dreams, and desires, they stay there. They don't become expectations that the other person cannot fulfill. So here's the question. How how do we do that? How do we actually, how does that happen, right? Ephesians chapter five, this is how, this is how it happens. We pick it up in verse 22. It says this, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. What could be clearer than that? Let's close in prayer. (laughs) Now, it, If this verse bothers you, 
if you're like, yeah, see, this is why I left the church. This is why I'm not a Christian. It, it, it's, it's shameful to women. It, it, it lowers them on, on a, a social status. So this is why I don't, I don't want to. If that's you, if you have any sort of thought process along those lines, I am so glad you're here. Please do not sign off online. Hang with me. We're going to go full circle here in a moment. But I am so glad you're here because this should bother you. It should at first glance. It should bother you. It bothers me at first glance. I'm a pastor. My wife knew what she was getting into. <laughs> you don't think this verse ever came up in our marriage <laughs> when we were having a discussion? This verse should bother us, and it should because it's been used over and over and over incorrectly, incorrectly to manipulate women to doing things they do not want to do. And it's wrong. Now, let me explain something to us so we're all on the same page here. And, and stick with me before you start, you know, typing away the emails on your phone. I can feel it already. Okay? Stick with me for a moment. Um, when Paul was writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, he was writing to the Ephesians. No one blinked an eye when they heard this. The tension that you and I just felt when I even made that joke and it's like, ha, 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 that's funny, I'm awkward. With that thing that you and I felt... No one felt that way. It was as if Paul had simply said, if you're thirsty, drink water. To which everyone goes, duh. Because in the first century, women, like children, were property. They could be owned. They, 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 their word meant nothing. They essentially meant nothing. And if you didn't like your model, you could go and sell her and buy a different one. Now, it's not right. I, I don't like it as much as you don't like it. It's wrong, but that's the way it was in the first century. It was kind of like you owned a TV. And if this one got bad reception, you could just trade it in and get a new one. So when Paul is saying, wives, submit to your husbands, everyone's going, duh. Of course we do. Because if, they, if, if we don't, he can divorce us. And where are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? How are we going to live and pay the bills? How do we take care of our children? Of course we submit to the husband. He owns us. Now, what bothers us about this thing is this word submit, where you read it and you say, wives, submit, and you go, oh, I don't like that word. But again, to them, it didn't matter. Everyone was, yeah, this is a way of life. It is what it is. Except what's really interesting is that Paul is writing in the New Testament, and he's writing in Greek. And when we translate Greek into English, we miss a couple things. So if you read this verse in the original Greek manuscripts, in the original context, the verb is missing. The word submit is missing. So it says, wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Why is that missing? Great question. I'm glad you asked. It's missing because a common way of writing in the Greek is you would state something and then you would just infer it on the second sentence. So what I'm saying is there's a verse before this verse that is incredibly important because it sets the tone for the rest of our conversation this morning. The verse before it is verse 21 and it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did you catch it? The first one, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not because he's worthy of it. Not because he owns you. Not because he deserves it. But you do it out of what? Reverence for Christ. So 
Submit to one another. Husbands submit to wives. Wives submit to husbands because of what Jesus has done. Not because of what the other person has done or has not done. Are you with me? You don't earn this. This is starting to sound a lot like the gospel, isn't it? You don't earn this. You just, you, you receive it. As, as Christ has loved you, has, as he has loved me, as he submitted to the will of the Father, husbands, listen, listen, wives, people online, as Jesus has loved us, I want you to love one another. And that means you both submit to one another. This is mutual submission. This is revolutionary in the first century. This is revolutionary in the first century. Essentially what Paul is saying, he's he's saying, husbands, I want to take all that you are, all that you have, all your possessions, your talents, your desire, your will, your finances, everything that you have, strengths, weaknesses, everything, all that you are, I want you to leverage that so that the hopes, dreams, and desires of your wife become a reality. That's how I want you to do marriage. And he goes, wives, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all that you have and all that you are, your hopes, dreams, desires, everything that you have, all your resources, finances, your strengths, your weaknesses, your beauty. I want you to use everything that you have and all that you are to make the hopes, dreams, and desires of your husband a reality. This is what mutual submission is. So he says, submit to one another, not because you deserve it, but submit to one another out of what Christ has done in your life. So here, here we go. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, not to men, not to a boss, not to someone else's husband, but submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. Not because he expects it, not because he's worthy of it. I did a quick survey because I was curious. I'm like, oh, I wonder, type in Google, how many men are worthy of their wife's submissions? And you, you know what the answer was? Zero. A hundred percent of men are not worthy to have their wives submit to them. And wives, you're sitting there going, duh, we've known this. Husbands, newsflash. We haven't earned it. We are not worthy of it. That's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it amazing. So you keep going. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the savior. So Paul's going to draw an, an example, an allusion from um, Jesus and his relationship to the church, to husbands and wives. So buckle up, men. Um, your turn is coming. We have a, an equal opportunity for everyone to be offended, both men and women this morning. So aren't you glad you came to church? Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And that's a tall order. And like you, I was curious what everything meant. So again, I went back to the Greek in the original and I was trying to figure out, okay, how do we define this word? You know what everything means? Everything. Yeah, but what about, yes, that too. But that that other thing that he, yeah, that one. Submit to their husbands in everything. Now immediately you're sitting here going, okay, well, how about this one, Steve? You go, what? What if he's an idiot? What if he suggests we do something foolish? Anyone ever thought that? I'm kidding. Don't raise your hands. (laughs) Don't do that. But that thought has cried. Okay, I will follow you for everything. And you're going to lead us off a bridge. That's the the dumbest thing I've ever, ever heard before in my life. Why would I do that? 
You're going to go and shipwreck our family off of this like lucrative financial decision? What? No. I'm supposed to just submit and follow? That's kind of weird. You've thought this before. I know you have. And I don't blame you for thinking it. Because I promise, I promise, ladies, I promise the men, we will make a foolish decision. I promise you we will. And some of you, some of you, you don't like this passage, ladies. You don't like this passage because it has given men license to go and um, be manipulative. I say, well, it's the word of God. It's not me, honey. That's, that's the good Lord. So I need you to, we just, we just got to do this thing because it, glory to God. That's awkward. And there's, there's a tension there. So you're thinking, what if he does something foolish? Or, or what, if, what if he takes advantage of this? Because no man in the history, especially Christian men, have ever taken advantage of women in the name of the Lord. Did you catch the sarcasm in that? It was, it was dripping in sarcasm. Ladies, it gets addressed. And, and, and I'm telling you, this idea, revolutionary in the first century. The, ladies, you, you should all want to follow Jesus because what he has done for women... He, how he has raised the social status for, for women. It, it is incredible. And listen, listen to what Paul, a man, a single man, says. Husbands, here we go. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now remember, he's writing to a church... In Ephesus, he's writing to the Ephesians and he's saying, hey, what Jesus has done to you, I want you to go and love your spouse this way. And they're going, wait, my property? As Jesus did? Now they're Christians. They know the Jesus story. And they're thinking, this didn't end well for Jesus. If you don't know the Jesus story, he died. He did resurrect, but he died. And so the men are going, you want me to love my property unto death, meaning like sacrifice my life for my property. And Paul goes, yes, but I'm not done. There's more. You you get the sense that all the men in the congregation are kind of squirming in their seats, kind of like we're doing right now in the parking lot, kind of squirming in their seats going, "Uh, uh, Paul, it kind of sounds like you're elevating women to the status of men. Yeah! From the very beginning, submit to one another. Our, look, our roles, our talents, men and women are very different, but our worth and value is not. And so Paul says to wives, first he says to everybody, you have to submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husband in everything. And then he says, husbands, I want you to love your wives just as Christ has loved the church. Now, here's the difficult part. That word love is agape. That's what it means. It's in Greek. Again, it's written in Greek. There are four different types of love. I won't tell you what all of them are, but the agape love is the unconditional love that God has for us. So husbands, you have to love your wife unconditionally. Yeah, but what about when she... No, no, no. But you don't understand because if I love her, then she won't... That you've put conditions on this. It It doesn't work that way. And husbands, some of us are upset because our wives won't submit and wives are sitting here going, because you don't love me this way. Maybe if you did this, then I would. But that's very care- we got to be very careful when it comes to that thinking because we're starting to be transactional and we're starting to keep score. That's a condition. So we have to love like Christ did. Now, Paul continues in verse 26. He says, to make her holy, which means to be set apart, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy 
and blameless. Holy means to be set apart. And Paul is alluding to a Jewish practice that was customary during that time of women uh, removing themselves, separating themselves, and going through a cleansing ritual before they were married. What Paul is saying, he's saying, husbands, I want you to take all that you are and everything that you have, and I want you to leverage that so that the hopes, dreams, and desires of your spouse, of your wife, that that becomes a reality. I want outside people, outside your family, outside the church, people in the community, whatever, when they look at your wife, I want them to see that there is none like her. She's completely set apart. She is different. She's radiant. radiant. There, is, there is no blemish. There is nothing wrong with her. She is beautiful. I want you to take your property and elevate it above you. Not, listen, listen, not because she's worth it, but because of what Jesus has done. That's what I want you to do verse 28 we'll keep reading we're almost done hang in there in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself paul's going okay in case you're not getting the theological thing with jesus and the church and all this take you and your body right okay Uh, after all no one no one ever hated their own body but they fed and they care for their body just as christ does the church for we are all members of his body For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So listen, he's saying, the way you you live your life, how you take care of yourself, how you have husbands, men, how you have your priorities set out, and you want, again, first century, you want your property to help you achieve all those things. (laughs) The way you do that, I want you to take your wife and put her above that. All that you are, all that you have, and take your, take your spouse, your wife, and put her above that. Quick side note. Um, <laughs> I guarantee you, well, let's just turn the tables. I guarantee you, if my wife did that for me, I would submit to her in everything. I would not have a problem with it. The problem is that you and I don't love each other this way. We don't love our spouses this way. And our spouses don't submit to us this way because we're we're afraid we're fearful because if i stop doing this then then he won't do this it's it's as if we have a tug of war going on and i'm pulling and she's pulling and we're pulling back and forth no my way no my way no my way i need my hopes my dreams my desires well what about my hopes my dreams my desires? and we keep going back and forth back and forth back and forth and as as a christian as a follower of jesus you, you know what we're supposed to do drop the rope Listen, a, a tug of war is not a marriage. It is a tug of war. <laughs> I know that's profound. <laughs> Some of you are like, tug of war. Are you with me? The, and, and some of you, some of you don't have a marriage. You have a tug of war. And COVID, quarantine life, has just raised that up to the surface. And so here's how this goes. On the count of three, we drop our ropes. <laughs> My spouse on that side going, okay, count of three. So go one. Two, two and a half. Now, babe, you're going to drop your end of the rope if, as I drop mine, right? On three, we're going to do this. So one, two, three, then drop, or one, two, drop on three. And we have all these deals, and we're waiting to figure out who goes first, who goes first. And what we end up doing is we're in this crazy cycle of, well, if you do this, then I'll do this. And you're not doing this, so why would I start doing this? And we're waiting for the other person to go first. Friends, family, every single people, married people. If you are a follower of Christ, you know what that means? 
You go first. Husbands, wives, who goes first? Yes, both. Who should drop their end of the rope? Both people. What time should they do it? The same time. Yeah, but what about, no, 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 agape, unconditional love. But you don't understand, if I drop my end of the rope, there's no guarantee that she will drop her end of the rope. You have an issue of trust in your relationship. Because you don't trust that it will be reciprocated. But Paul, as he's highlighting, is he's saying this is not about reciprocating. This isn't I scratch your back if you scratch my back. This is what Jesus has done for us. The way that Jesus has loved me is the way that I am to love my spouse. And this, this is so cool. The way that Jesus has loved my spouse, that's how she's supposed to love me. Regardless, regardless of what we do. Because this is how Jesus loved us. You know this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you you know this. While we were still dead in our sin, Jesus loved us. At once we were enemies of God. But, But Jesus, for God so loved the world that he sent his only, his only son, so that whoever got their act together and looked good and talked good and did other good things good too, they could follow Jesus. That's not what it says, is it? For God so loved the world that he sent his son and only the people that got their stuff together or sat in a parking lot on Sundays. There there was no condition there. God loved the world that he sent his son. And whoever, regardless of what what you've done, what you said, who you are, that if, if you just... If you just believe, you will spend eternity in heaven with God. That, that type of love is how you and I are supposed to love one another. And so Paul, he takes this passage and he, he wraps it up so beautifully. Verse 33, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. How does the husband love the wife? Unconditionally with the love that Christ has for us? How does the wife respect her husband? By submitting to her husband. So, you may have noticed on your message notes, it's, it's, there's a lot of space. <laughs> there's one note. There's one line. And the main point is this. In marriage, mutual submission is often the best decision. That's it. We're, we're, this morning, we're not going to have a, a bunch of, of notes or anything. It's just simply this. Married people, you, you know this to be true. Married people, mutual submission. When it comes to marriage, mutual submission is often the best decision. I, I'm convinced it's 99.99999. I, I think it works essentially all the time. I think it's always the best decision. Now, there might be, there might be one variable. I can't think of it. So if you can think of it, come talk to me. I'd, I'd be really curious. But... I'm willing to say 99.9% of the time, mutual submission is the best decision because it's the love that God had for us. It's how we love our spouses. So here's what I want us to do this week. This week, we're going to have a marriage, um, sub, <laughs> a marriage, a mutual submission competition with our spouses. You're not nearly as excited as I thought you would be. 
This sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? This is going to be amazing. I promise you, this will be super, super helpful. You're going to have a submission competition with you and your spouse. Now, you're not keeping score on the other person. That's not what you're doing. This, you're competing against yourself, your, your best record, your personal best. This is what we're doing, a submission competition. So tonight, hopefully tonight, maybe tomorrow night or whatever, here's what I want you to do. And some of you, you're sitting next to your spouse and you're like, oh man, like he's here. Now, now he knows we have to do it. She knows we have to have this conversation. And you're like, ah, here we go. I'm going to help, help you walk through it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to carve out a little bit of time and look your spouse in the eyeballs. Men, I want you to stare at your bride. And I want you to ask her this question. What? I want you to go, hun, babe, honey, whatever that name is, whatever name you use. I want you to go, baby, um, what are your hopes, dreams, and desires? And then, and then men, um, I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I want you to take notes. And then when you're done listening and done taking notes, I want you to switch. I want, wives, I want you to look at your husband and go, honey, what are your hopes, dreams, and desires? And, and then I want you to close your mouth and open up your ears. And I want you to take notes. Now, I already know what's going to happen. Some of you are going to be upset because you're like, we've been married for 20 years. You ought to know. And the truth is you're right. But we don't know. So let's start here. Instead of being mad about it. Let's do, we'll start here. And it'll be great. Now, you got to play nice in the sandbox of life and marriage, okay? So here are my hopes, dreams, and desires. And don't, this is not a time for sarcasm. This is not a time for pointing fingers and going, well, my hopes, dreams, and desires are that you would get your stuff together and blah, blah. No, 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 no. This, no. Here are my hopes, dreams, and desires. And then, and then husbands, wives, come on, up, online. After you have that listed out, I want you to leverage all that you have and all that you are to make those come true. Now, I want to be very specific. I'm going to give you three categories just to help you get going on this process because I know it can be a little bit weird. Um, when it comes to this mutual submission competition, some of you, you need to mutually submit to the budget because your finances are a hot mess. And the stress that the other person is carrying is, is tremendous. I know how this works, right? We do this in our marriage as well, right? Here's the budget. And then you went over this month and you bought those shoes or that thing with the stuff and it does that whatever. Yeah. So you went over the budget this month. So that means next week or next month, I get to go over the budget. What? No, that's not what a budget is for. You stick to the budget. Some of you, you need to submit and you've been doing uh, retail therapy. That's, that's not loving your spouse. So some of you, you need to go over your finances and you need to submit to one another and submit to the budget. A second area that you uh, may need to submit is um, this is going to be the area of, of your free time because household duties has changed. Parents have signed up uh, to become homeschool teachers. They never thought that was going to happen, but that's happening. Life is different. We've all need to pivot. We all need to change. We all need to adjust. So you need to submit to one another your free time and what you do with that. Because if you're always going out hunting and you're never at home, you can't help, help around the home. And if you're always going out with your lady friends and barking and complaining about your husband and doing an hour or so of man-hating, that's not helpful either. So we need to come back. We need to submit to one another out of love because God is worth it. And we need to look at our time and say, hey, we, we, we have a family. We have a family. We need to make sure that you have enough time for a little, a little self-care. You need to go out and maybe get a trip to the spa, but if I'm always gone, you can't do that. You need to zone out and just watch the game, put your feet up, do whatever you need to do. We need to make sure we have enough time for that. But if I'm always gone, you can't do that. 
So we need to come back. And the third one, the third one is this, and we'll get real personal here and then we'll pray and be done. Um, the third one is this. Some of you need to submit to your spouse in the world of intimacy. Intimacy is, is the Christian, it's the word that Christians use for sex. It's easier to spell. But here, here's what I mean. You have, some of you, you have, you have a spouse that desires you. And, and you have rejected them over and over and over again, and they feel like they have to earn it. And that's not loving. So, so what this means, if you're, if you're having issues in, in, in your sex life, in your marriage, um, it means you need to work through something. There's something, there, there's a reason, and it's probably a valid reason. But nonetheless, there's a reason that has to be ad- addressed. So I want you to talk to it. Talk about it. Figure out what, what's actually going on there. Because again, you have a spouse who desires you in the most intimate way and you are refusing, you are building a wall that is separating you from the person that loves you most in this world. You've got to break down that wall. Those are just three areas. I'm sure you can come up with more on your own, but I want you tonight, tomorrow night at the latest, if you've got kids, put them to bed early. Sit down, eyeball to eyeball. What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your desires? And then do our best to make that a reality. Here's why. Here's why. And then we'll wrap up and I'm done. Um, the outside world is looking at your marriage. And that may be the best and the clearest picture of God. When people look at your marriage and the way that you love your spouse and your spouse loves you, they should see the love of Jesus Christ. That is the goal. That is the goal. And if, friends, during this COVID time, we're adjusting, communication is weird, relationships are weird, if the whole world is looking at us and they're trying to find hope and our life does not reflect that hope, that love of Jesus Christ, we're missing the mark. And so tonight, I've just felt very passionately about this all week that we're going to start with the family. How do we people, how do we love people? Well, we're going to start with mom and dad. We're going to start with husbands and wives. And single people, I I apologize. Maybe you fell on the margins on on this because you're not married yet. Um, I hope the principle applies to you as well. But we're going to start here. Come the next two weeks, we're we're not going to talk about marriage at all. We'll talk about other other things, other relationships. But I I want us to start here because I've heard so many stories. And we're going to start here. So would would you do this? The band's going to come up. I'm going to close in prayer. And I I want us to sing this last song with, with all that we have. And I know you're hesitant and you're like, I don't want to have this conversation because it always turns into a fight. I, I get that. I get that. But maybe tonight it won't. And we're, we're going to pray that it won't. And so let's, would you stand up with me as we pray, as we come before the Lord? Go ahead. Come on. Come on. You stand up. And if, if you are not married, um, would you pray for a couple that is married? Just, just in your heart, you can whisper it out loud because we, we need help. We need your prayers. And if you are married, would you hold your spouse's hand? Because this is mutual. This isn't you versus me. This is us together. So Lord, we come before you and I simply ask, Father, I ask, I ask for help. Because this conversation could open up a whole, a whole can of worms. And so, Father, I ask that your love, that your peace, that your understanding, your grace and your mercy, Lord, would be so evident in this conversation. Father, would you give husbands and wives, would you give them the opportunity to be completely honest and not fearful? 
So Father, when, when, when they come together and they have the conversation and we're vulnerable, Lord, I pray, I pray that it would draw the husbands and wives closer to one another. May we always know we are on the same team. And Father, it, it, it may be naive of me. I, I don't know. But Lord, I, I pray for husbands and wives that the way that they love each other, God, that, that their children, that other families, that they, they would look, they would look at the way that they love each other, God, and they would see your son, Jesus. We cannot do this on our own. We have not loved this way on our own. We need you, Jesus. So Father, in our words, in the conversation we have, and then in our deeds and our actions, would we love each other and may our family May husbands and wives, may kids, may we mutually submit to one another because that's exactly what you did to the Father's will. And when we submit to one another, we are reflecting the relationship with Jesus and the Father. And Lord, there's no greater honor than to do that. So be with the families tonight. Be with the couples as they open up conversations. And Father, may that draw us closer together. We pray this as a church, as single people, as married people, people online, people in the parking lot. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You're standing, keep standing. Let's sing this one song.